Welcome to the Closer and Closer podcast, a podcast about expanding your creative capacity. Each week, we interview inspiring creatives to help you grow your freelance career. All right, let's get into the episode. My name is Drew Melton. I'm the founder and managing director at Closer and Closer. I'm excited to introduce you to Ian Sigmund. Ian is an animation director and partner at Gunner, which is an animation studio based out of Detroit, Michigan. They've worked with clients like Amazon, Google, Etsy, Herman Miller, and many others. Ian, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Um, so while we've had a few conversations in the past, and you know, I know about you from our conversations ongoing, when I was doing some research for this podcast, um, I couldn't find very much about you or Gunnar on the internet. So I would love it if you could tell us just a little bit about your background first, and then how um, Gunnar came to be. Okay. Um... My background probably starts uh, end of high school, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, I was going to go to college or art school or something like that so I could get into the arts, but I was also doing a lot of video editing in, in high school. And so I had a reel as early as high school of like little editing projects. And that landed me a college level internship out of high school, which basically messed up my trajectory. (laughs) I had the same thing. Um, I had an internship in high school and it, it it ruined me for college. Yeah. So I, I had a, I remember like the last few weeks I was working, it was at General Motors because, you know, Michigan cars, Mm -hmm. um, uh, General Motors, uh, doing with partnership with the discovery channel on these new car car design internships, like kind of like a bad, uh, like internet reality TV show we were making. And so Mm -hmm. I was filming and, but then I would, I would like volunteer myself to make a bunch of other things like, Oh, let me do the intro. And so I made the intro and the titles and just like, I was just like a little 18 year old, like trying to blend in this like corporate work structure, making things. Nice. And then they ended up like using all the stuff I made. And so I remember I went up to the director of this whole thing who was like a guy from New York who I was, you know, nervous about. And I was just like, I should go to school, right? And he he said, eh. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just I was like, oh, okay. And I didn't come from like a family with money or anything like that. So I was going to have to like go in debt and pay for it myself. And so I just, uh, the guy. He literally just said, eh, question mark. Yeah. So he just said, eh. And I I was like, do people like need to see that on a resume? And he's like, no, not really. It's like, it's really about your work. And I think that was like a big eye opener at that moment. And, and then GM kind of like offered, you know, like, well, if you're not going to go to school, like, can you stay? Which in hindsight, I'm like, oh yeah, because I'm cheap and making tons of things. This makes tons of sense. So I was like, sure. And then I became the guy that like, they wanted to move me around to different departments to be their in-house like editor guy. And so I eventually worked my way into being like the editor for global brand content design studio at GM. So I was getting this bizarro taste of like client side working with, you know, kind of helping them 
prep stuff and vet stuff for like Campbell Ewalds of the world at that time and all those other things. And so I, I kind of had this weird like reverse world. And then, then I like, you know, hated cars and just quit this and went and worked for a church for a while. Cause I was like, I guess I'll just like make videos and, mm -hmm. and do that thing. And then did that for a while. And then I was like, this is a weird thing to do. I'm, I'm, I, I like the, I think the advertising stuff was better because at least, you know, it was dishonest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of switched. Uh, I tried to go freelance at a really young age and then I lost, like ran out of money. And then I ended up getting a, a job at like a small in-house um, production house. And what kind of at that time is like when, you know, motionographer was on the rise and, you know, mm. studios like Buck were doing all the cool stuff. And mm. I, and I, and I think being here in, in Michigan, working at a small studio, you're like, how do we do this? How do I make this work? Sure. Um, and, and just kind of hit a wall where I like couldn't create the kind of stuff I wanted to create and I wanted to know how it works. So um, my wife and I, you know, packed up, so, uh, you know, garage sale, everything moved mm -hmm. to New York. Um, and then I freelanced out there for a couple of years and, and basically ended up working at all the places that I was super curious about. Mm. Um, that, Where did you work? That, what were the places that you were, that you were wanting to work in New York that you got to work at? I mean, like Buck was on the list, uh, you know, like at, th at that time, the New York studio was like 30 people. Okay. Um, and like, I still talk to people that I met from that moment, you know, today. Um, and it was just like, it was like one of those experiences where you're like, oh, it's not one person who mm -hmm. makes this stuff. It's like a team. And like, yeah. if you've got a guy who like, is just focused on the shininess of this thing or like, you know, everyone's like, you know, in their own little worlds making really pretty stuff. And so it was that moment of like, oh, okay, I, how, well then now, now knowing I don't have to do everything myself, how do I fit in? And, you know, kind of became this all-in-one compositor type guy who would like get everyone's files and, and try and, you know, composite and push stuff through. So I did that and then I bounced around from like studio to studio, um, really just kind of absorbing a bunch of studios culture because I knew one day, um, you know, and I'd tell everyone like, We're, I'm going to open a studio in Detroit. And during this time, I was talking to Nick, who was in LA. And so we were just very much in a same life cycle. Just one was mm -hmm. out West and I was out East, mm -hmm. but we both wanted to be home. But we both wanted a studio here. Um, so just as the momentum kept going, it just became that thing of like every now and again, you know, a tiny client would hit us up and mm -hmm. it would be enough money to kind of like split you know, yep. like, oh, you want to tag team this and we'll just split it, you know, like eight grand yep. and you get four and I get four and that's the project. <laughs> uh, okay, cool. So, so, you know, like take a break from studio bookings and do this one thing together. And then um, every time we did that, it was like a really good project. Like it was always a successful project. We always pushed each other. And so we just kind of like, you know, fell in love work-wise. And then, yeah. Um, yeah, and then he moved here. And that was right at the time of like, is the remote thing possible? Because yeah. it was 2014, I think, when Nick moved back here, or 2013. Yep. And that was like early on remote work days. But then over the, while I was in New York, he was like, yeah, man, like I'm still working in LA. Yeah. And I was like, interesting. So if I yeah. leave here, does that mean I'll still be working here? Yeah. Um, and then that, that's really the seed that started, that started Gunner. So, yeah. um, with that, you know, I moved back, 
and then, you know, kind of had one leg in New York and, and then we just kind of started um, putting, you know, doing projects and, and just like got to the point where, we're, oh man, now it's really hard to manage the emails. Yeah. Let's get a guy to do that. And, yeah. and like really just slowly put the team together in a very like um, waited till the needs arrived. Sure. The opposite of a startup. You know what I mean? Sure. Like instead of like building the whole framework and being like, all right, let's go into business. It was just like, let's go into business and we'll just build the, the, the train yeah. car as we go. Yeah. Um, but that's because neither of us knew what we were doing and we could always fall back on freelance. We could sure. just go back to being freelancers. So it was really easy to kind of like sway in and out for a little while. And that's, that's kind of what, what got it going. Um, and then my last gig, which I would attribute a lot of the, I think um, your questions, the, your future question. <laughs> <laughs> just so everyone knows, I always write out a ton of questions <laughs> oh, before yes, yes, the podcast right. and I send them to the guests so that they're overwhelmed and they can't think straight. Perfect. So one of those future questions, how do you get clients? My last gig there, which I would attribute to a lot of like, like how we kind of had our client head in the door um, was like in-house at Google. Mm. Um, and so I learned a lot there um, and I was there for four months straight. Um, so that I left there with some, with some friends there and, you know, they were really excited for us to start up a studio. And I also left um, one of the last places I worked was be real and okay. they're kind of a really family oriented company and they were really excited for, for us to, you know, you know, kind of telling everyone this pipe dream of like, I'm going to move to Detroit and start a studio. And so we mm -hmm. had like, we had quite a few people that were like behind us. And so I think quickly they wanted to bring us some work and try and get us off the ground as well. So it was, it, the early days were all about trying to like get people to be a part of the, the story of like, you're going to help build a little studio out here. Um, mm -hmm. And then, yeah. yeah. Is that, is that a good backstory? Does that work? Oh, it's perfect. It's beautiful. You did a great job. Um, now, so I was taking some notes here as you were talking. One of the things that you mentioned early on, I'm going to kind of back th backtrack through your story mm -hmm. and pull out some things I heard. Um, but one of the things I heard you mention is you kind of you realized when you went to New York and started working at some of these agencies that you didn't need to do everything yourself. And for me as an illustrator, I came from West Michigan. So I was in Grand Rapids. I went to Kendall College of Art and Design. And I, you know, I went to art school for a little while and I dropped out. And um, one of the things that I always thought was that I had to do everything myself. Now, illustration isn't nearly as complex as animation. I think it's inherently built in a little bit more. But I noticed that a lot of artists feel like they need to do everything themselves. You know, so if they're going to animation, they might think I've got to do this from the script all the way to the final cut, you know. I got to record the music for it. <laughs> yeah. And I was just wondering if you could talk a little bit more about that. I think it's kind of a Midwest thing. I think maybe because yeah. we're from the Midwest, we assume it's that. But I also I, think I, it's I, somewhat yeah. human. Like, I noticed people everywhere kind of feel this need to be in total control or to do everything themselves. Or can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I, I I think you're right when you say it's a little bit of a Midwest problem because there is like um, there's a there's always a culture in the Midwest of like work hard like it's just something your parents say and it, mm -hmm. and you're like why and they're like 
because that's that's good and you're like okay um and so you do because you're like it's good to work hard but then you like burn yourself out and like Mm -hmm. in my mind like working hard was like okay then i i gotta like i gotta learn how to do everything and then i can make the kind of stuff that i'm seeing on the internet i can Mm -hmm. create that too Mm -hmm. um and then I think, yeah, when you go sit in a room and you see everyone, um, you know, working hard, but working like focused on all these little pieces and then the combination of those pieces being something that's like mm-hmm. no one in the room could make that um, by themselves. You're like, yeah. oh, that's like the magic I keep observing. You know what I mean? Since a kid, yeah. like that's the, you know, it's cheesy. Dis- that's the Disney magic. That's like, yeah. that's the, like, that's the magic is like this thing that not one person could make. Um, yeah. And so I think that's really where I grab it. Like I very much like the team oriented um, mm-hmm. uh work culture so like you know that i think that's what drew me to animation was like this this like every project is a recipe and however those ingredients come together like make something that um you know that's not just a one note sort of sort of thing and 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 places like buck were like just really good examples i think early on for me working at places like that that um there was you know it was very non-ego Mm-hmm. driven place um mm-hmm. it was always about like the work the work mm-hmm. the work um mm-hmm. and so like that and you could like you could watch like people kind of like you know poop poop on other people's work in a weird way but in this like really respected way of like oh yeah that is right I c- it could be better you know what i mean it yeah, was just totally. an awesome sort of like oh cool all in the you know spirit of like trying to make this better and and you know, I think people that are totally on the, like, I want to do it myself are the people yeah. that are like, don't like if you, as a creative director, send them back their drawing with your drawings all on top of it, <laughs> um, which we do on every project all the time. Yeah. Uh, which, we, you know, I think everyone kind of just calls them drawovers, but mm-hmm. when you work with someone who likes that feedback, I think, yeah. and, and I'm a kind of person who would, you know, like I like that feedback. Um, yeah then there's like some magic that happens because it kind of becomes this thing that you're like making together. And, and, and then you like in that process, you lose a little ownership, but you gain a little more like magical mystery in the whole creation process. And I'm like totally fine to, to lose that ownership for that. Well, I think you, you end up losing the ownership, but what you gain in terms of the collective um, ownership, of it right you might not own it as much but collectively now maybe two or three other people have a stake in this and they're going to equally put in something because now either they've given feedback they've contributed something and now it feels like it's theirs too and i think that's a powerful um maybe a tool when it comes to producing something great is sharing that ownership around Mm -hmm. yeah I, i i'm i'm a big fan big fan of that yeah and one of the other things you said here was, you know, work hard. You know, that's an ethic of the Midwest. And that's something I totally have. You know, when I came to California, I had a, a job at a startup out here and like I worked hard. But one of the things that I didn't have, you know, in a, in a way was focus, right? Like I had focus in a sense, but I was just sort of doing everything. I think it was just if it isn't hard, it isn't very important. And I think one of the things you talked about there was focus and like with 
with you know pursuing these projects, it's not just about how hard you work, but it's really focused energy over time that really starts to produce those results. And I think for a lot of for a lot of freelancers and people in general who are trying to do their own thing, they can confuse all the hard work with making progress, um, you know, uh, just in their career or building their business or whatever it is. Do you feel like that's true? Uh, y- yes and no. I think there's a, I think there's a stage of your life that it is really good to burn out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, have you burned uh, out before? You, yeah. Oh, I still do. <laughs> <laughs> it's just easier to burn out now. I think, uh, the fuse is much shorter. You're like, yeah, yeah. this didn't take nearly as long as it used to take. Yeah. Yeah. I liked that I burned out as much as I did in, yeah, like, you know, twenties or whatever, or, or during those times, because I think it like, it does kind of help form that why. And I would say like, to your point, like the hard, if you're just doing work, I guess I just got to work and work and work and work and work. Sometimes that mentality will bury the why. Yeah. And I think that is, is super important to kind of dig that back up and go, what was, what am I, what am I going for? Like, what am I trying to do? Yeah. And I think, we've been dealing that a lot lately just with Gunner, like we're kind of redigging up the why um, recently, even just, just with how the year's been and everything is like, what? cause this year was like survival mode, you yep. know, like survive, survive, survive. And yep. then it was like, just make sure we have jobs, make sure we have clients, make sure we're getting money. And then we were like, why are we doing this? And I yeah. think like you asked that and you're like, Oh wait, Ooh, back up. We gotta like, we gotta take some risks or we gotta like, yeah, I gotta shake it up again. Um, so I think, yeah, it, it can blind you to the the why are you doing this in the first place question, which I think mm-hmm. that's the ultimate burnout is when you burn out and then you don't know why you did. That's yeah. I think, more it's more defeating than burning out and knowing, you know what, this was a this was gonna be a I knew this was gonna be a a season and we were mm-hmm. it was good. I, I knew it was too much work, but I knew I wanted to do it. Yeah, and I, and I'm really proud of the the reward. Like yeah. that's a good burnout. A bad yeah. burnout is like I'm tired. Yeah. I don't know why I'm in this business anymore. I hate yeah. everything I make. <laughs> yeah, when you start hating people around you, but not for yeah. any reason, you're just like yeah. I don't like any of you anymore. That's a bad burnout. So yeah. there's maybe there's maybe there's good and bad. I never and thought what, about it that way. That's yeah, it. and for you guys, as you're exploring your why, what is the why for Gunner? What is it that sort of gets you up and gets you going every day? Um, it changes. I think we've been talking about this a lot. Like it, it's okay that the why keeps changing. Yeah. But um, I think we gave a talk at Blend, and that was our ending of that was why, and we were like, mm-hmm. well, why not? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that was kind of you know coming from the like we're going to do this thing. But I think the why for Gunner was, you know, and I think you'll probably understand this too. There just wasn't anything that existed like us out here, you know, at the time, at the time that I got into this business, there wasn't like, it wasn't like if you grew up on the East coast and you're like, man, I'm going to move to the city and there's just Mm going to be all this cool stuff happening. It was Mm -hmm. like, I'm going to move to Detroit and play in bands. Yeah. That's like kind of the art scene here, which is a blast. And, and I had a lot of fun doing that kind of stuff, but um, the, it was really hard to find. Yeah. Like 
the the quality or like what you know what you're kind of looking for in the work that you're doing um and so the why originally was cool studio in detroit cool studio in detroit you know like just obsessed with can is it possible is it possible yeah um i think like we've proven ourselves a bit we you know we're 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 able to compete with other other studios that in my mind are doing really really good work yeah um so like that kind of felt like you hit a bar and then at the same time you're like wait now what i thought this was like yeah now that i'm here why is this not doing it for me anymore um yeah and then i think now it's like the why is becoming i think it's changing for nick it's changing for me um Mm -hmm. It's changing for some of our, you know, longer term employees. And so, you know, whether the why is like stability in life or Mm -hmm. if the why is um, for me, it's like been like we've had such a good run at like bringing in people that had no clue what this business was Mm -hmm. and like getting them into it, transforming kind of their world and then they yeah. just shoot off and take off and kind of kind of leave us behind. Yeah. Uh, that's I, I think I've become like super addicted to like watching that success story from people mm-hmm. who had no idea that like this was even going on. It was like so I think I'm I'm like really getting into okay, how do we do that more and how do we reach further and pull you know people that have no clue what this is and, and how do I show people what this is earlier? And, 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 um, you know, it's happened to some people that I know are getting shut down on the art is not a possible career. And like, mm. how do I, how do I connect to those people? You know, the same, like I was at, at a younger age going, I, I, you know, hopefully this will work. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, so I, I really, that's been something that's been really special to me. Um, and then that becomes like, okay, how, you know, what are we doing? Mentorship programs, you know, internship, mm-hmm. how are we going to run this? How are we going to like, not just pull kids from colleges that kind of have already set them up? Can we get sure. kids from places, you know, from like underrated colleges that were cheaper that, and can we still find talent in them and bring them out? So, I, sure. you know, I want to like diversify how we get people into mm-hmm. our little network. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's like kind of the, one of our focuses now. Um, and I think we're trying to stick with our, like, only good work and great work ideology, mm-hmm. which is this theory we came up with in the beginning that was, no matter what, we're going to say no to bad work. Mm-hmm. Um, and bad work, like, you know it when it knocks. Like, mm-hmm. you know, everyone knows it, and it always has an alluring price. Mm-hmm. And it, or it has some enticement or worse yet, it's like, after you do this, there's plenty of other work. And you're like, hmm. It's like the people uh, are like, we'll tell everyone about you guys. Like, we'll make yeah. sure that we tell everyone about you. Yeah, you just like, you feel that. And I think when that stirs in the gut and we get an email, we, yeah. always, kind of, we always kind of go, ah, you know what? Let's just let's say no. Um, yeah. And that I've been in, I miss the room, but when it was everyone in the room, yeah. You could overhear like a conversation between like, you know, Nick and another producer um, kind of talking about this job. And it's like, you ever been in a room where like they're talking about the project and you can feel like the artist's like shoulder weight is like coming down. It's like, oh man, if we say yes to that, that's going to be crazy. You know, you could feel that like, 
yeah, this three-week timeline, and they don't know what they want yet. And like all the words that that just amplify in your mind, like this project's going to be painful. Yeah. Um, to be in that room and to kind of be, you know, in a bit of a leadership role to, mm-hmm. to go, you know what? No, we're not going to do it. Tell them no. And you feel yeah. everyone go, oh, thank God. <laughs> and you're like, this is... This is like, this is super fun to, to, to like stick. This is like a good reason why to stick to our guns and like do the right thing. Cause like, that's what's keeping, you know, good artists here and, and, and attracting more. And yeah. um, so tr- I think it, for us, it's a mix of our why now is getting back into what we, what was it really exciting in the first place, which was like finding underrated talent and, and mm-hmm. saying, no, no, this is top talent. It just, just needs to be shown in a different light yeah. and getting back to just going, we're just going to make whatever we want. Um, yeah. And it, it's tough because, it, you know, it's also a business and there's all those. Yeah, you, have, you have to pay for the tigers in the wall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of pay to paint that tiger. Yeah. Well, what stood out to me is like, for me, I draw a lot of parallels to our story, even though we're very different companies in that, you know, my background was being a freelance, in my case, illustrator, designer, and then burning out on that, you know, having to burn out at 26 or 28 or whatever, you're just like, I can't do this anymore. And wanting to do something, um, you know, having that, how do I put it? Like, it sounds like there's a challenge, you know, where you guys was like, can we make a can we build a great agency in Detroit like that attracts good clients and makes good work, you know, and has a great team or whatever. And you guys, that challenge is sort of the catalyst in a lot of, it's a great driver early on. It's just to, to, to prove them wrong or just show them that you can do it or whoever they is, you know, the imaginary they in our minds. Mm-hmm. And that can drive you, I think for, you know, five, even 10 years sometimes, and get you really far where you're just like, we're going to do it. You know, just the challenge of it, the sheer effort. Like there's something about that, that people love. But then when you get to that next stage, which it sounds like it's so funny you're talking about this, because these are the questions I'm asking currently with Closer and Closer. It's like, why are we doing this? You know, as I yeah. think about how are we going to grow? <laughs> what are we going to do? You're just kind of like, why? Because where we're at now, I would have never dreamed about five years ago. And not that it's not great and that I don't love it, but you kind of go like, okay, so what's next and why are we doing it? And I heard someone say like, if this is only good for you, you should really reconsider, you know, the growth plan or the future vision or whatever. But if it's good for other people, you know, that's where it's sort of at. And so something I'd heard that kind of stood out for this, when you're talking about taking sort of um, hidden talent, from around, you know, from these other schools and places that maybe aren't as high profile, was that every great company or organization becomes a people development. Um, well, no, let me say it another way. Every great company has to become great at people development to stay great at some point. So like with you guys talking about that, that almost it feels like in any company has to become the whole point is finding ways to make other people successful um, rather than just sort of you guys being successful or you guys being in control. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like that's just a necessary step of growth as a, as a company is to figure out like, how do we help other people build their dream here? Cause if you mm-hmm. can't, then you, you know, it's hard to attract talent. It's hard to stay relevant, stay engaged. It's hard for the job to be fun if people aren't getting the chance to really grow. Yeah. Love it. So 
one of the things, uh, well, let me see, where do I want to go with this? In my million questions here, I'm looking at my Google Doc. Google Doc. Um, you covered a lot of what I had written down, which is what I always appreciate about these conversations. Um, but I'd really be curious to know, because you went from freelance to running a company, um, what, for you as a business owner now, in a creative field, what did you have to learn? How did you have to grow? What challenges did you have to face as the owner of a studio? Uh, a smattering of things, but I, I, it's all been kind of natural, you know, like we, we've been re, we didn't grow quickly. Um, and I think that helped. Mm-hmm. Um, we made a lot of mistakes. We almost ran out of money. Um, I feel like that's every entrepreneur's story at some point or whatever, you know, whatever business owner, small business, the yeah. almost running out of money story. It happens to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I, there is, there is like cliches that kind of happen to everyone, but yeah. the money one was like definitely a memorable moment. I mean, like you go through that thing of like, okay, let's set up a LLC because, mm-hmm. and, and then like, it's like, yeah. Well, and then you're like, I think in that process, you're like, why do people set up LLCs? And you're like, oh, because like, if you don't, they can take your house because the business is technically in your, and you're like, oh, oh, limited liability. And yeah. like all these like businessy words all start to be like, oh, it's not that complicated. It just means yeah. that like you can take the company for whatever it's worth. And yeah. then over time, like if the company starts to become valuable, like, oh, now this is an asset we can use. And so like, it is funny to like kind of, we're like the least businessy businessmen there are, but um, yeah. it it is. It, it I think that's been an interesting shift is is learning some of that stuff and getting into that world and then payroll and taxes and all the yada 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 yada. <laughs> but at some point, you can't do it because you have to do the work and you have to do what you're passionate about. So really early on, we started dividing out tasks really quickly. Like we did not handle the numbers after day three of like starting the company because we knew we were bad at it. Um, and we found um, this, this nice lady who's like basically like our mom's age, who was Pam and she was super nice and did numbers for like a couple freelancers we knew. And they were like, yeah, she's great. Mm-hmm. And we're like, would you do ours? And, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, we out kind of outgrew her and, she, you know, we got to the point where we're like, Oh, Pam, it's been great, but like, <laughs> it's getting Like we need our stuff faster. And like, we realize um, now, like what we're asking of you is, is too much. And so we're going to, you know, move it to this system or move it to that system. And then by that point, like that's when um, like our CFO, Ben, we kind of pulled him in mm-hmm. and he's, he's, you know, he's, um, it, you know, really partnered with us to like take on the financial responsibility of the company. So like, it's a really about like the same concept for starting a business as making a great art piece if it, or a great animation is like, you're not going to do it all yourself. Sure. So you have to trust a bunch of people. And that means you have to, you got to trust someone with the money or you got to be the money guy. And like that, you know, and Nick and I's 
minds that you don't want us to do that job. We don't. Uh, <laughs> well, talk about, because working with a CFO, right? That sounds super corporate. It can sound, it's yeah, like, it does, not does, what anyone yeah. expect, you know, like I'm going to run a really creative studio and we're going to make great art and we're going to, you know, like. We need a money man. Yeah. yeah. We, don't, we don't need that stuff. So how has working with a CFO, what has that experience been like for you? It's been the best thing that ever happened to us. <laughs> Ever. Um, someone who can come into your company who likes numbers and likes all the things you don't like, um, yeah. which, uh, or as a joke, we always say, really good at the squares. Yeah. Because um, we're all like, woo, but like you need someone <laughs> who's like calendar, and, you know, whether that's the producers or, or, so having just someone come into to the world, to the creative world that like, okay, Mm-hmm. and has a passion for what you're trying to do, which I think we got really lucky finding someone that cares also about what, what it is we're doing. That's um, awesome. Opened all these doors with like, we're going to make a short film. And it's like, okay, how are you guys going to fund that? And we're like, ah, and mm-hmm. we would just do it before yep. and probably run out of money or probably freak out or probably just go, oh shoot, have we spent <laughs> two months? Like, were we paying that freelancer the whole time? Yeah. Oh, like we did a lot of that early on. Like, ooh, that's going to hurt. Um, oh, yeah. And then when you have someone who's like kind of monitoring all that stuff, they're like, okay, here's what we can do. If we, if we can take on this amount of work, we can get this runway and then we can shift this over here. And like they have like the forecast yeah. because you're, you're so in the weather. You're, you, you know, you're, you're like we're all kind of emotional and you need someone who can zoom mm. out and go, Okay, great. I love that you're got your face totally in in the rain clouds. Yeah. I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna like see when they're not gonna be here anymore. Yeah. Uh, okay, it's coming. Yeah. You've got until this amount of time, and you also need that fuel a little bit too to be like, okay, okay, okay. So yeah. Um, and it becomes this like other force that like helps guide a little bit of the decision make decision making, which I think we really needed, and it's really changed kind of everything uh, for us. It's been great. And for you guys, do you feel like it's helped, you know, in terms of a lot of times we look at finance and organization, I'll just say in general or structure as the antithesis of creativity, but how has that impacted you guys' creativity to have that structure? I think it's impacted us super, super, super well. Um, we've, We've pulled off a couple of, projects and we're working on one right now that I don't know how we would have kind of carved out the the resources for without having someone who could kind of see the whole picture. Yeah. Um, like I haven't, this is, I'm a bad businessman. I haven't looked at the <laughs> bank account in months. <laughs> <laughs> So like we think how, your CFO is really good. That, We're going to find that's out like, in the that's future. How, that's how like out of the loop a little bit I, yeah. I tend to be. But if everything is rooted in trust and you are going to genuinely pursue the road of trust, mm-hmm. which we've really made it a point to do it, um, it's been great because, you know, you can just kind of, uh, you know, are we okay? Yeah, we're fine. Yeah. But we're going to need like one more thing in the fourth quarter. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'll keep an eye on what that might be. Yeah. Um, and then that's kind of the conversation. And so I think like, yeah, having that, all that weight taken, taken off of us yeah. um, 
is like it's huge. And I think like if you look at any successful creative endeavor, there's usually someone behind the finances that knows what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and I think the studios that I've watched start to grow and have a really hard time getting to the, to, to the next stage mm -hmm. are still taking on the number responsibility and still mm -hmm. like going, Oh, I forgot to do the payroll. I'm like, yeah, because you draw, you don't do the payroll. Like, you're never going to be good at that. You're never going to be good at that. I'm never good at that. Um, like I can't even manage my life in general. What would make you think I should do that for everyone else? Uh, that sort of feeling, you know, like, and then, then it, it re then it really becomes about like finding people that you can hand the keys to that you're like, okay. Mm -hmm. and, and then, at the, and then at some point, right. It's just, it's just a gamble, you know, yeah. like, I think, I think this is the best thing for us. Yeah. I hope, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. There is that it's leap. Happened. There's always, there's always the gap between what you know and what you don't know. Yeah. And it's, there's always that, that moment where you have to jump over it. You just, you just, yeah, you just close your eyes and run pretty much. We've been doing that for the entire time and it's been fine. And I think it's the best way to do it for, yeah. for us is to just ah, close yeah. your eyes, just take off into a wall. And, um, yeah. I, and we've, you know, sometimes you're like, oops. Yeah. Yeah. And you're <laughs> going to make mistakes. That was but, bad. Yeah. That'll but, keep happening. And it's just going to keep happening. Um, well, and I think so, one of the, one of the things you talked about was trusting the people that you're hiring. And one of the things that you were kind of talking about early on or not halfway through the conversation was finding great talent and cultivating and developing them. So one of my questions was about, you know, how you guys find great talent and nurture and develop them as a company. Cause that's such an important part of, you know, like you said, no one person can do the whole project. So being in Detroit, being in a city that's not normally known for animation and, you know, standard production, the way we think about it in LA and New York, talk about how you guys have been able to find great talent and bring them in on projects and nurture and cultivate them. Um, it's been so hard the last year. So it's kind of a funny topic mm. right now. I think we're really struggling at it right now, really? to, be, to be honest. Um, it is so much easier in the COVID climate to just hire someone you know already knows how to do it. Yeah. Because you're not going to be there. You're not going to be able to just kind of like swing around in your chair and go, oh, no, no, no. They said blue. Yeah. It, can't, it, can't be, it can't be green. They said blue. Yeah. Um, you just see the green one at the end of the day and you go, great. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So we've you know, we've been doing just a lot of like, we, we, we do mix it up with who we hire, but we have been hiring just a lot of like solid, steady people to mm -hmm. just keep everything moving correctly. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, you know, it's, it, it, it can be pricey because, you know, they're very well-established freelancers. It's been great because, you know, they can handle bigger chunks of the project and you get, you get some, you know, people that have kind of been, you know, like myself in it for a long time, kind of know, yeah. like when things are coming up, like, mm, this is going to be a problem. You're like, Ooh, thanks for calling that out. And so like, mm -hmm. you kind of have to have people like that right now, mm -hmm. um, which is kind of the pinch point for us finding new talent. Yeah. And that's kind of been, a, it's an it, tricky thing because if you're not from this world, you're not, and you're just now getting into after effects and we're giving you a project 
the uh, you know make sure you build it in a file format that we can uh, run a script to change all the text to French, English, and German at the end of the project is not a thought in their minds, and yeah. if, and nor should it be because they haven't been through a thousand jobs. Yeah. Yeah. But that's going to come up and it's going to happen. And if when we were in studio a little bit more, you know, we could kind of babysit that or, or like, you know, I would just be like, I'll do that part. I've done it a million mm-hmm. times. You, mm-hmm. I want to see what you're going to do. You're going to do something like visually more interesting than what I'll do because I'll fall back on my laurels. You yeah. take you take the visual thing. I'll set up the nerdy project file and make sure it all works. <laughs> uh, and now it's like with, with the COVID creative directing, uh, it's so like it's so much communication and Slack and all that all day that it's mm-hmm. really hard to like work on anything anymore, and it's even harder to like kind of um, help help with bottlenecks on projects, which I think Nick and I usually fall into that category of like kind of being like the funnel for the end of the job and I'll, I'll make sure it's all right. And we'll, we'll send it out. Um, it's made that process. I think the way we used to work a lot more tricky and it's been a little bit more, um, procedural in a way, which I is like defeating me in in a lot of ways. Cause I, it's like a little less, it's a little more like we have to operate a little bit more like producers tell the creative directors, creative directors talk to the artists. And you're like, it used to just kind of be kind of a mess. And I'm longing for the mess again, but it's too hard to like quality control a mess from a remote standpoint. Um, So I think to your point, like, how do you find new talent? Well, it used to just be like, that mural's cool. We should call that person and see if they make other stuff. Yeah. And then they're like, yeah, I don't know. I'm just looking, doing things. You're like, would you, would you want to draw some frames for this? And here's the dimensions and like, wow, what they did is really interesting. Or like a piece, this character they drew is interesting. We can take it. And Mm -hmm. uh, you know what I mean? Could we kind of bring in people that way? Um, And now it's like, it's just a little tricky. So, you know, I'm I'm itching to get back to some studio life to kind of be able to take, take risks again. Um, Yeah. You know, people that like, and I'm, it's not like a, you're not good enough kind of thing. It's just like, you haven't done this a thousand times and yeah. you don't know what the pitfall is going to be. And I know what the pitfall is going to be, but I, I can't spend all day explaining that because mm-hmm. I got to be in another meeting in five. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, it's tough. Uh, I think I'm really struggling with that right now. And, and I think we're, we're trying to figure out how, how we can start to do that, how we can start to, to get, you know, some, some, because they have to be young talent. Like young talents also like I just mean green in general. In green in this industry, not like um a lot of like Colin who works with us, she's incredible. Um, you know, she was not young talent. She was like she was she was older and she she had been but she was fine art world. Mm-hmm. And she was kind of itching to make a transition into something that was a little more sta- stable and a little less up and down. And so mm-hmm. like and she kind of was like, oh, wait, once I'm now that I'm in this world, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, there's all these other possibilities. And so, like, mm-hmm. that, you know, it's not always just like need a hungry young kid. It's like really just yeah. need people that have really interesting ideas that are like uh, uh, just like an arm's reach away. Because once those people get plugged into like our little ecosystem, they always bring like a different idea. And I think that's what we've been fueling off of the last yeah. five years, these like kind of other viewpoints um and it's been really hard to to do that over the last year if i'm being honest um 
This is really different. I mean, in terms of, like you said, we've had to be far more operational. We've always been remote, so we're a little different. But as the team has grown, it's so important to be operational because if you're not, you can't. We have, in our team, there's seven of us and everyone's doing different stuff all day. There's no, there's no looking over someone's shoulder. There's not like, you know, there's none of that sort of normal cross-pollination that happens. Right. And And there's no hot seat anymore. Yeah. Either. Because there used to be a thing where you go into a studio and you sit next to someone and you're like, oh, fuck, I'm bad, I'm bad, I'm bad. I'm like, this guy is so good. <laughs> this girl is so good. Yeah, she, yeah. She is just everything she draws. I'm going to, I look like an idiot. And yeah, like, yeah. it's like that, like, really helps you because it like gives you that, like, oh. And now I think, you may feel that when you see a post, like, bloop, little image yeah. comes up, like, oh, dang, what did I do all day? <laughs> oh, man, I got to do better. But you don't feel it all day long. Yeah. When you also you don't know? see the process that goes into it. So and when it, I'm and t- you don't, yeah, you don't see how they work. You don't see them, like, you know, going, yeah. ah, throwing away, like, drawings that are amazing. And they're like, they're yep. throwing away all those? Like, those would have been my <laughs> best drawings. And, like... But like being in that in that osmosis, like you said, like that really, I feel like that drives a lot of the exciting work. Um, yeah. And I think everyone's in different boats about this right now because this is a constant conversation in the when we when we return. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Everyone is talking about that, and are like we have like a couple channels that are like a lot of like studio creatives and owners, and everyone's trying to go like. Three days a week, four days a week, five. Like, yeah. what do we do now that, like, people are used to this? And, like, I've yeah. got people that never want to come back. And I've got people that, like, are just sitting in the office alone. My, yeah. That's me. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, you know, like, some of us want the hive. And some of us don't want the hive. And how do you make everyone happy? And I, it, yeah. it's going to be an interesting, I think, it, yeah, it's going to be an interesting next 12 months as we try and re-put to, back together what was the benefit because there's there's some obvious benefits from some at home time oh yeah especially when it comes to family especially when it comes to like parents and kids and like i i absolutely understand that but there was also some special sauce in the messiness and the osmosis and the sort of just organic creatives in a room yeah feeling off each other and and the buzz yeah. And the kind of the hum that hum throughout the day that kind of, you know, makes you like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So it, there needs to be both. And I, I think everyone's trying to figure out what the recipe is going to be. So. Yeah. No, we're, I'm like a huge nerd about uh, this is a whole other story, but I've had like sort of chronic low level health issues for a long time. And so one of the things that it sort of affects is my nervous system. And so there's this um, there's this thing called polyvagal theory that's put out by a doctor named Stephen Porges, or he's a PhD. And basically he, with COVID, one of the things he was saying is that people being isolated like this, it actually, um, it deregulates our nervous system and being together, we actually are co-regulators. So when you're in a room with people and you go, I feel different, you know, we kind of cognitively go, what's the difference? You're in a chair, you're looking at a screen. What's, you know, you're at home, you're in office. What's the big deal? We have Slack, you can call them, you can text them. But there's actually something about humans um, evolutionarily that we actually, when you're around other people, you are literally co-regulating each other. And that that energy you get, the boost, even the creativity, I would say, that you feel from seeing who, someone who's in the zone is something you can't get 
fully remotely. And I think it's one of the things we're all feeling is like, why am I so tired at the end of the day? You know, why do I feel like I'm just falling into these ruts? Like, why do I, you know, when you're talking about that lack of stimulation and churn and all that kind of stuff, I think it's human. I think there's something that we're all itching for right now. We're going, it's really efficient to work from home. I don't have a commute anymore. I don't have a lunch break. You know, I don't, whatever, but there's also something missing. And I think that's what a lot of people are wrestling with. I think it's really interesting that you're saying it's a physiological thing, but it's like, it's kind of uh, the, the feeling of like, I know it's there, but I don't know how to talk about Mm it. Mm -hmm. That was like, that is really how we've been expressing ourselves work wise. I think Mm -hmm. a lot over the last five years is like um, when we watch stuff or reviewing stuff or someone's commenting, all of our comments frustrating as it can be are Mm -hmm. very much like, "Mm, it's doing something to my gut. That's just like, not right. And it's so (laughs) woo woo. It just like, you know, I'm not, it's not the right. It's like, is it saying something? And like, we, we, we're very like everything is a feeling based thing. Cause we, mm-hmm. we early on, we decided we didn't want to have a style. We wanted to have an attitude or we wanted oh, to, that's have, cool. like, a, yeah. you know? And so like, we wanted people to feel like it was us, but we wanted to always be able to like look different. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is really hard to capture. I think without like the four people, five people hovering around someone's thing, because mm-hmm. there were there were these little moments, you know, where like someone's playing something, and you're like, "Does it, do you get? Are you like getting this thing?" And you're like, "Yeah." It's, and you're you're not even explaining anything. The conversation makes no sense. If you were to write it out, it would it be it would just yeah, it would be a mess. It make but there was this communication, I think, like w- between like body energies and you're like mm-hmm. i know what i know what it is you're you're looking for yeah um and then you you know that person goes back to drawing or, or, or you know i go back to designing or whatever and it, it's this it's like now you're like everyone's working like they're hiding their test <laughs> they're and, just presenting the final and then they're just like okay here it is and you're like Ah, and then they're like, I worked all day on that. And you're like, ah, and you're like, I wish I was, there was, yeah, I don't know. That is like, that is so tough right now. And I think, you know, every now and then you just have like an ace in the hole freelancer or ace in the hole. I mean, artists who just like, here's my thing. You're like, it's incredible. (laughs) Great. We're done. Um, But that doesn't, going back to the why start a studio this whole beginning of this conversation was that like getting everyone to level up together and getting everyone to grow together and i think yeah like it um my metaphor for for creative studios i think i think work from home is going to change a ton of businesses Mm -hmm. like if i was an accountant i would never go back to the office (laughs) i get it like why yeah. uh, unless you're less like really love the water cooler conversation but yeah, yeah. Uh, you know if you're already in your like four-walled little booth like you could do that from home but we, you know we weren't we we're just at like basically a, you know kitchen table has yeah. always kind of been the vibe here um and there was there was days where you like didn't want to sit with everyone you know because yeah. you're like i really don't want to be around all of you right now um and, and you could you know and when someone's feeling that way, the whole dinner table gets to feel it. Yeah. And, and so 
whether or not like those days were frustrating or not, I think it really made us a, like a family. Um, and it, it's been, it's been just like tough to, we do a morning call every morning with the staff. Um, yeah. and that has like helped us stay together, but it's still tough. Uh, yeah. and we've, you know, if people have gone on to, to be freelance, you know, over the last little bit to, you know, leaving staff, which I'm like absolutely pumped for some of our longest employees, Marcus and Rachel, they both left and it was, you know, it was like, we were super happy and we knew it was coming. It's like, you guys mm-hmm. got to, you know, you've been here the whole time, like go explore, yeah. you know? Um, but then you're also like, then there's this feeling of like, oh man, I really miss yeah. that, like the fam, you know? Um, and so, oh my, yeah. So getting back to my metaphor for creative companies during COVID is it's, it was originally an outdoor tree and then like to save it and make sure it didn't die. You had to like scoop it up out of the ground and make it a house plant. And it's yeah. been a house plant for like a year and a half. And yeah. houseplants don't get bigger than the pots that they're in. Sure. And so I feel like everything is kind of like that right now, where it's like we're all like the thing is still there. The thing that you grew that you're proud of is still there, but it like is it's it's healthy, but it doesn't have the 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 potential it could have if it was just back outside. Yeah. Uh, and that's just that's just part of the. I think everyone's everyone's feeling that right now. Yeah. And, um, it's going to be really interesting to see how this, how the return and all the rollout comes back. But yeah. Yeah. Well, I think as we wrap it up, I think I always want to leave, especially for the the creatives who are listening, I want to leave them with one thing here. So if you had advice to give young animators um, or illustrators art, you know, art directors um, who are interested in, you know, working with companies like you guys, or even doing their own thing, what advice would you give them? Just put out, just put out work uh, as cheesy as that sounds. Um, I, yeah, I know it's social and it's, you know, and it's tired just talking about it, but <laughs> it is for studios, even for clients, just output of work and just getting what you, what you made that day or that week or that month, just out there on whatever platform you want to do it on. Um, is really good for two things. One, I think it's always good to exercise that muscle of finishing something. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, a, and a post, I guess, it is a way of like going, okay, this is, this is where I'm leaving it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's really good for young creatives to keep forcing themselves to post and put out work just because it's a great way to exercise completion and it's a good way to go, okay, I can do better on the next one. Mm-hmm. First for us, like what we love to see is like, mm-hmm. it's really hard to judge someone who like their last thing they put up is, you know, two years old. You're like, mm-hmm. are you in this anymore? Are you still doing things? As frustrating as like that is, that is the age we live in. And so mm-hmm. like, if you're just really good about putting out work, one thing we look for a lot, now is like um like if you scroll down and the work gets really not good all of a sudden mm-hmm. you're like wow this person really is like climbing mm-hmm. their way and mm-hmm. i think sometimes seeing their trajectory is yeah. more important than seeing their work sure yeah um, and so I, that's why i usually will tell like 
graduating kids. Like, I know you're not proud of it, but the story that your work is telling right now of, of how you like found that little like grain trick and you started applying that and like that started becoming this thing. And then you went down that road and like, you can see that story when you go through someone's work and if they leave everything up. Yeah. Uh, and I think as a young artist, it's really good to just like keep throwing it out there yeah. because that little story that you're kind of unknowingly telling is like really good information for a studio or for someone to hire because they go, okay, even what they're posting now isn't exactly what we're looking for, but I've seen the trajectory and I know they could do the, mm -hmm. this thing or that thing or the other thing, or I think they would be amazing at this thing. They don't even know they would be good at. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, I think there's an untold story in that work that is really beneficial for, you know, I think for us, for, for creative studios looking for places that may be a trickier thing if you're client yeah. facing, you know, I think client sure. facing is a little easier to like curate your work and like maybe use your website for that or whatever. But um, yeah. No, yeah, I think Andrea, our, our artist marketing and partnerships uh, person, she, yeah, <laughs> she, she is in full agreement about posting because she literally meets with our artists once a quarter and goes over their marketing and partnership stuff. And she helps them put together, part, you know, blog posts, partnerships and all that kind of stuff. And artists hate their Instagram. Like some artists are naturally, they gravitate towards it. I, they yeah. hate it. And it's okay. like, I'm, I'm like, there's like simultaneously, it's like Instagram doesn't matter. And at the same time, we're like, but people are going to use it. We've asked them, we've asked our clients to go on there. And it's just what you talked about, seeing the story, seeing the trajectory, seeing that body of work. And what one producer told me is that they were like, I don't want to see one good project. I want to see 10 years of, of great projects. And mm. seeing that, you know, even if it's not all the same level, but seeing that output over time, I think builds a lot of confidence that that artist, you know, because everyone's under a deadline for you guys working remotely or for a client who's looking for something. If they're hiring someone, they've got someone they're answering to for a deadline. And mm -hmm. so knowing that person is going to crush it at whatever they're hiring them for, even just stylistically, like they've got that style down. Mm -hmm. That's huge. And they just, yeah, it seems really like pandery or, you know, like. No. Yeah. But it's everyone. It's the same for everybody. I, I, yeah, 100%. I, I think that trajectory thing is. It, you know, going kind of a half circle or whatever we talked about this earlier, the taking a chance on someone, like if you can see the trajectory, it's a lot easier to take a chance on an artist you might not have hired before. Mm -hmm. um, oh, for sure. So like, I think that like, that's the takeaway. If, you know, if I was a young artist, it's like, okay, whatever, I'll just keep throwing stuff out there. Cause I think we always get in this headspace of like, I don't like anything that's up there now. I want to get rid of it. And then I'm yeah. going to start again. Don't do it. <laughs> like, don't just, do it. just throw the next thing. It's all just whatever. And like, yeah. I know it represents you, but it, it also like it, it also is no one is perfect at doing this thing. And you're probably comparing yourself to, uh, uh, you know, someone who's really, really good at it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and then like in that world, you have people that, post work that they barely worked on the shot too. You yep. know what I mean? And so, you you know, I think when you put out all that work, it's like you can read between the lines and I don't know. Oh yeah. Yeah. In animation world, you see that all the time. You're like, wait a minute, I've seen this in 10 portfolios. Cause 10 people worked on it. Yeah. <laughs> um, in a, in a, if you post post work like that, I, I'll just say to animators out there, like be 
good about saying what you did on it. Um, yeah. that, that is, I think, you know, if you're like, I just did the background trees. It's like, okay, good to know. I just needed to know. And like th- that part, that could be the very thing that I'm like, Oh, who did the trees on this shot? They're amazing. <laughs> uh, you know, so it's good to call out exactly what you did and just be honest. Yeah. Just be oh. honest and throw stuff out there. That's yeah. the best way. Remember that artist, be honest, throw stuff out there. <laughs> um, well, before we go, where can people find Gunner? and learn more about you guys? Um, well, apparently there's nothing about us online. <laughs> <laughs> just your website. Just your website. <laughs> yeah, really just, just the website, Instagram, I guess. Um, maybe we need to be better about learning more. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think see. we are a little, we are, we do, you know what? There's probably a reason why you can't find a lot about us because we kind of had made a conscious decision early on not to like, we were going to, our, our rule was we're going to, people will know us from our work, our culture, and then if they care where we live. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because yeah. I think when you start a Detroit based business, which we, you know, talked about that a lot in the call, there's always this tendency for that to be the number one information point. Yeah. And it's, it, it, we really wanted to like make that the third on the priority list. It's like, yeah. So um, that's probably why there isn't like a lot of like backstory because I think like I, we just don't want to blow smoke up our butts about yeah. about like we're in Detroit. It's like well we're here because we like it and yeah you know, yeah because the houses don't cost a million dollars for a two bedroom. They don't. <laughs> They're going up. Going up now that everyone's leaving everywhere. I know we're all coming to Detroit, so get ready. Get ready. Here we go. I'm into it. Let's go for it. I I, I will be your greeter. Let me know. Awesome. Well, Ian, thank you so much for taking the time today. It was great having you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to the Closer and Closer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review to receive the latest episodes. You don't want to miss some of the incredible conversations that we have coming up. They'll be full of powerful insight to help you reach your full creative potential. To find out more about us, visit www.closerandcloser.co.